and then uh, um, associating and then cooperating and then assimilating. And so we're going to begin that this morning. Um, the uh, identification factor is uh, something that God has placed inside of every one of you to be able to recognize what something is and to identify it. So I'm going to test you. Can I test you? Okay. What is this right here? It's a what? It's a watch, right? Now, when we identify that watch, we know that watch has some specific characteristics, doesn't it? What would they be? Huh? Numbers. What else would it be? Huh? Hands. Hands? We call them hands because we identify those as the moving particles that gives us two elements of identification. The first element those hands gives us is the, the hours. The second one it gives us is the, and then some of them have a third method of identification that gives you the seconds. That's right. And then there is something in that uh, that we identify with that often comes out in a, in, a, in a watch or a clock, and it is what? Starts with a T. It, T-I. Ticks. Tick, 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 tick. If you hold it up to your ear, you'll hear that hand going tick, 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 and that identifies that the clock is doing what? It's working. Because if we don't hear that tick, 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 or see those hands moving, guess what? We can readily identify that it is a clock, but it ain't telling what? Time. Okay? So there are identifications that are made that are both apparent and they are visual. That we can see them. And they appear to be what it is that we think they are, okay? So we could do that with anything, any, any uh, object in this room. We could stand a person up here, and we could say to you from visual and apparent, what is that person, right? we could say, well, visually and apparently, that individual is a male, a female. Visually and apparently, if we put a dog or a cat up here, we would say, uh, visually and apparently, that dog is a dog or that is a cat. Everything has a means of identification, okay? It doesn't matter what it is. And in the Christian life, Everything that God created was created with a visual and an apparent identification process. In, in our spiritual life, no matter what it is, we have the visual and apparent 
view of how God wanted you to operate and function in this Christian life. The visual and apparent. Now I'm going to show you some of that as I identify you with the process today. Now, we're going to stand and honor the reading of God's Word. And this is going to come out of Isaiah chapter 61. Today I'm going to take you, however, back to Isaiah 53 to start this message. And I'm going to show you how Isaiah in his prophecy began to identify us with Jesus. Let's read. Only going to read verses 3 and 4 this morning. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. Did you see that? The oil of joy for mourning. The remnant of the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. They shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Father, we thank you for the word of God. I pray that you would minister truth today and open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. Then allow it to allow us to apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Now, Father, we sanctify ourselves, yield ourselves, and surrender ourselves to the Word of God. May the Word of God minister through the Holy Spirit exactly what you, Jesus, are saying to your people. And may we be used for that purpose. We'll give you praise for it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, I want you to look at this scripture for just another second. To appoint unto them who mourn in Zion. To appoint unto those who do not have a Savior. Now, as we get into this scripture, we're going to find out that when Isaiah began to prophesy this, Isaiah showed us much more concerning those that didn't have a Savior than we've ever drawn out of the Word of God. Look what he said he would give you. He said he would give you beauty for ashes. He would give you the salvation of God for a life that was destroyed. He said he would give you the oil of joy, which is the anointing for your mourning. Now, now watch these three phrases and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, you've never related this scripture, but I want to show it to you because it is imperative that you understand that when Isaiah penned this prophecy, what he was saying is, I'm going to give you a Savior. He's going to bring you salvation. Who was that? Jesus. Isn't that right? Then he said, I'm going to give you the oil of joy for your mourning. Now, wait a minute. 
What were they doing in Jerusalem? Well, he had died, and they were mourning his death. And Isaiah prophesied that they would come out of that mourning with a what? Anointing. Who are we talking about? Christ. We're talking about the Christ that would come out of the resurrection as the uh, victoriously anointed Christ who was giving the spirit of life and the likeness of his resurrection to mankind. All prophesied by Isaiah right there. Now look at the next one. He said he would give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What's he talking about? He's talking about the third thing that Jesus Christ did when he ascended into glory and sprinkled the blood in the temple on the vessel of ministry that you and I, having come through the salvation of God, living in the anointing of God, would then be able to come into the tabernacle and function as priests of God. What were they going to do as priests, Pastor Mike? Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews said they were going to offer the tabernacle, offer in the tabernacle the praise of God. That was going to be their sacrifice. So in Isaiah 61, we see three definite and distinct identifications that Isaiah has prophesied that would belong to the church, that would belong to the believer. Now, Isaiah has said you're going to have Jesus Christ and you're going to be the sacrificer of praise. You're going to come out of this heaviness and you're going to walk into the temple of God. Now, why would there have been heaviness? Because there had been sin. Why would there be heaviness? Because there was a heaviness to weigh as a minister of the gospel for the lost, for the dying in this world that you as a priest and a minister of God would walk into the tabernacle and begin to praise God for the fact that every man, woman, boy, and girl can come to know Jesus in the forgiveness of sin, Christ in the anointing of the resurrection, and then become a priest in the tabernacle. You drop off that heaviness there because you would be in the very presence of God. Now watch what he said. That they might be called. Do you see that? That they might be called the trees of righteousness. How did one get to be a tree of righteousness? That's a good question, ain't it? How did this get to be a watch? That's a good question, ain't it? Ain't something I can do. Could you do it? You can do about anything. But you couldn't do this, could you? No. I couldn't do it. Somebody with a skilled hand 
with a skilled knowledge, with a skilled plan, with a skilled pattern, with a skilled ability had to come in and begin to work this watch into being such a beautiful timepiece as it is. And then somebody that loved me gave me this. Do you know what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2? Paul said, for we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus. You are the workmanship of the master skillful manufacturer that has made you because he loved you and has taken you from where you were like a potter with a piece of clay on the wheel and molded you until you became the creation of his workmanship in Christ Jesus. In other words, he molded you to be righteous. You couldn't be on your own. You didn't know how to be on your own. You know what you did? Someone told you about Jesus, and you simply said, I believe. What did believe mean? It meant you identified with the master craftsman. You identified with the master manufacturer. You identified with the master builder, and he created something in you and from you that you could not do yourself. You had to identify with it. All visual and apparent things told you that you were lost. The instrument that came out of the Word of God in Isaiah chapter 57 that the smith had made against you told you you were a sinner, you were dying, you were separated from God, you didn't know God, you didn't care about God, you were selfish, you were unholy, you were unrighteous, but then came the Master. And when he began to mold you, he took you out of ashes and gave you salvation. He took you from mourning and gave you the oil of gladness. He took you from being someone with a heavy, downtrodden heart and gave you a spirit of praise. Oh, my God, what a great God we serve. He, the master, took you from where you are where you were to where you are. Now you have something to identify with. See, you didn't have that before. Well, let me tell you the truth. Now watch what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> Here's what you had. You had no ability to identify with anything. Now get what I'm about to tell you. You only had the ability to be influenced by something. Now watch this now. You only had the ability to be influenced. You did not have the ability to identify. Those that identify with sin are not identifying with reality, are they? They're identifying with something that is influencing them. You see that? They are not identifying with reality. They are not identifying with what is both visual and apparent. They're only identifying 
with what it is that is influencing them to be identified that way. Why else do you think in the world in which we live, everywhere we turn, we see the term influencer? Have you heard that term? Influencer. Influencer. Education today is serving to be a what? An influencer. An influencer. They're trying to educate us and influence us so that our mind can be influenced, which our soul is highly influenceable, unless we bring it under the subjection of the power of the Holy Spirit and we take a spirit change, we can be highly influenced. Now, God does not influence us. Not when he changes our spirit. Now watch what I'm about to say. God <coughs> changes the spirit of man. He changes man's spirit. He does not influence man. He causes man to identify differently. They use the term identify from what they are being influenced, which bears neither visual nor apparent reality, but in God. We have the ability to identify with him. Our spirit man, I did. Now, why would that be? Now, watch this now, because this is vital. When... Adam and Eve accepted the lie. How did they do that? Did they take a spirit change? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. They didn't take a spirit change. They accepted the influence of the serpent. What happened to their spirit? They died. They died. The, 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 the spirit within them died. Therefore. They had nothing left to identify with. They couldn't any longer identify with the image of God that was in them because the image of God that was in them had died. They only had the opportunity, as Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, to be subject to the one in which they were subject to, which was what? His influence. It was his influence that got all over mankind. What happened? Their soul began to think on evil. God looked down and saw nothing good in man. Why not? Now watch. Why not? According to the word of God, in man was the very image of God. But God looked at him and said, ain't nothing good in him. Why? Because in them, the image of God had done what? Died. They were all living under an influence now. That influence caused them to focus on their selfishness, themselves, their wants, their needs, the things that they thought would satisfy. They were influenced to that. Well, isn't that exactly what Eve did? She was influenced to accept the fact that surely you ain't going to die. And surely she did not, not physically anyway. 
So there is an influence that you have to understand. There is an instrument, according to the Word of God in Isaiah 57, that the smith has put together to influence you and now we are using the influence of the enemy to say that what is visual and what is apparent is not really real. It's what I am influenced to think is visually and apparent. So the enemy has taken his influence now and he has transposed that influence into the non-reality of identity. But God meant all the time for you to be able to identify with beauty. He meant all of the time for you to be able to identify with the oil of joy. He meant all of the time for you to be able to identify with the spirit and the garment that would clothe you in praise. He did not mean for you to have ashes. He did not mean for you to have mourning. He did not mean for you to have heaviness. He did not, because those are things that you could identify with. But the regenerated, born-again Spirit of God that brought back to life the dead spirit that was inside of you did so for you to be able to identify with who God is, with what Jesus did, with what Jesus is doing, with how Jesus is operating the pattern and the plan of God, and to know that in that identity, you are complete in Him. Identity. But the world is operating out of an influence. That's a sad, sad condition. Now I want to go, if you will, with me, and I want to show you this. Look with me, look with me, look with me, look with me. I'll get the button right in a minute. In Isaiah 53, I want you to see how Isaiah prophesied about the identity that you and I would have. Now watch it. Isaiah 53 we know is the picture of Isaiah's prophecy about the cross. However, as with all Scripture, closer examination brings us more insight. If we look at it, we can always find something we didn't know. Now, in Isaiah 53, we find four things that happened in the cross. Isn't that wonderful? We hear Isaiah 53, 5 preached everywhere, don't we? What a wonderful thing. He would forgive you your transgressions, for forgive you your iniquities. He would give you peace. He would rebirth peace, and that by his stripes you're healed. How many of you have heard that scripture? All of you have, yeah. Great scripture, isn't it? Wonderful thing. Now watch. Now we're going to talk about the key to this. Who does that scripture identify with? Now that's the question. It is not who it influences, although grace becomes an influence on the life of every man, boy, and girl. Grace will net now get me here. Grace will never influence you 
until you learn to identify. Grace will never influence you until you learn to identify. Now, I want to get this straight because I don't want you to miss this. There are five names of Jesus for you to identify with. He is Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lord, and our man in the Godhead bodily. Five names. There are ten characteristics of Jesus Christ that John told us about in John chapter 1. He said he is eternal. He is creative. He said he is personal. He is life. He is light. He is illumination. He is salvation. He is glory. He is grace. And he is truth. There are five names and ten characteristics about Jesus Christ that every Christian can identify with and that that Christian, by identifying with him, can have him birthed in you and him living and abiding out of you, which is, according to Paul, the mystery. Christ in you the hope of glory, his names identifying in you, his character and personality identifying in you. And the next thing you know, guess what? You are living in the image of Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? That somebody that has a goatee and a mustache could be in the image of Christ. Somebody that has a longer hairdo, can be in the image of Christ. Somebody that has such a beautiful face can be in the image of Somebody that has a little ponytail up on their head can be in the image of Christ. Somebody who is old can be in the image of Christ. Somebody who drives a Pepsi truck can be in the image of Christ. Somebody who is retired can be in the image of Christ. Isn't that amazing? We now have the opportunity from wherever we are, whoever we are, however we are, to come into the new birth, have our spirit born from death to life, take on the spirit of Christ, the likeness of his both death and resurrection, and come in to a life where he is living in us, through us, on us, and upon us to the point that he can direct every step we take. What a great God. Paul said that would be so when he said that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus so that we could obtain Good works. Now watch. So here we are. Who has identified with what Jesus did on the cross? Now I want you to get this fact. Isaiah prophesied there would be those of you. There would be the man with the goatee. There would be the man with the hair. There would be the beautiful face. There would be the pigtail, sippy cup drinking little girl. There would be the retired. There would be the Pepsi driver. Listen to how he said it. He said, we saw from this event that he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Who, were that, who was that for? The straying sheep. That's who he did this act in Isaiah 53 was for. So that the straying sheep could identify 
with what Jesus Christ did at the cross. Now, insight, Isaiah 53 told us about who it was that would complete that work. He was a man oppressed. He was a man they looked at and said, God surely has forsaken this man. Then we saw all of the events of the cross unfold. Now watch. But then we see the victorious Christ. We see the one whose soul would not be left in hell and who would be resurrected and who would come to life. And as he came to life as the victoriously anointed Jesus Christ, Paul turns around and parrots this in Romans 6 and said, you, 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 me, can live in the likeness of his resurrection. Where do we see how he was resurrected? What do we know about him being resurrected? Mom showed this to me this week, and I had to shake my head. She said, son, you've been preaching on this. I want to show you something that I think will help you. I said, all right, Mom, what is it? She said, look in Matthew chapter 17, and you'll see what the resurrected Jesus Christ looked like. Look in Revelation chapter 1 and you'll see what the resurrected Jesus Christ looked like. Look in Matthew 17 and you will see what it is that the resurrected child of God looks like in the eyes of God. So I looked in there. The Bible said he was transformed, transfigured. He was changed. He was in light, total light. He was wrapped in a robe of white. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 1 that his feet were like brass from where he had been through the fire. That's the only thing you and I will never know. We will know him in his purity. We will know him in his light. But thank God, because he took the keys of death and hell, you'll never have to stand in the fire of hell. You have been delivered by the transformed, transfigured Son of God. And you can live in him likeness. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Now we identify, now watch this. If we come out of hell with him, Isaiah prophesies that we will identify with him as the high priest. We saw, now watch this, we'll identify with him in justification because that's what the high priest did. Then he says that he saw him as being given a portion with the great. So Isaiah has shown him to us as the Jesus of the cross, the Christ of the resurrection, the high priest of the justification. And now he has shown us his lordship as he has been given a portion among the great. These are the things, church, that we should identify with. These are the things that the modern-day gospel cheats you out of. The modern-day gospel says you can live your best life now, but they don't tell you how. I tell you you should live your best life now and how to do it. Someone said, well, wait a minute, Pastor. What do you mean? Well, they tell you that you can think your way to a better life. 
They tell you that you can speak your way to a better life. They tell you that you can give your way to a better life. They tell you that you can obey by giving your way to a better life. They tell you that you can faith your way to a better life. They tell you that you can grace your way to a better life. I tell you that you can identify with Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lord, and your man in the Godhead, and you are guaranteed by the promises of God in Christ Jesus to live your best life in the eternal economy of God right now. Not because you're faithing yourself into it, not because you're giving yourself into it, not because of some man's revelation that said, if I just say this right to the hearer, the hearer will grab on to it, agree to it, and they'll fill my wallet with money. That is their revelation. It's not yours. Your revelation is that Jesus died for you. Christ rose in the anointing. He took your ashes and turned them into beauty. He took your mourning and turned it into anointing. He took your heaviness and turned it into a ministry and a priesthood. He took your infirmities, justified you and sprinkled blood on the tabernacle of vessels of ministry so that you could live in the purity of holiness and be called the tree of righteousness so you can. Did you hear me say that you had to give money to get that? Huh? Did you hear me say you had to faith your way into it? Did you hear me say that you had to grace your way into it. I'm here to tell you today that if you will identify correctly, get your belief system correct, walk correctly before God and His Word, you will find the revelation of identity that will be both visual and apparent in your life. Someone said, now preacher, you're meddling with preachers now. You're meddling with them. You're meddling with Joel Osteen. You're meddling with Creflo Dollar. You're meddling with Kenneth Copeland. You're meddling with all those great guys that have brought these great revelations. What I'm doing is telling you, faith is a part of it. Grace is a part of it. The way you control the soul is a part of it. But the identity will only come through one vein. It will only come through one vein. If you give, if you give which you should based on the Word of God, you will give based on the Word of God. I wrote a podcast the other day on this, and I want you to hear what I said. I said many people have gotten rich off the backs of those who have given. And those who have given have been told that if they give, they will get. It, it kind of came to me as a conclusion from that the other day. That would be true if I had an army of 50,000 people giving into my life. That's what they have, you know. That's why they're the ones that are doing the getting, while the individual out there who's doing the giving 
is beginning to be frustrated because they can't figure out why this ain't working for me. Go get you an army. Go, go, go start talking. Start telling people, give to me, give to me. And if they do, guess what? Because the word of God said, given it shall be given, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall who? Men give into your bosom. Shall men give into your bosom. Now, on the contrary to that, let's think. If we are called the tree of righteousness, and every promise is yea and amen in him, who is Christ Jesus, who has made us the tree of righteousness, who has given us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, if we come to him as Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our God, and we seek him in the identity of those people under this premise, he is eternal. He is creative. He is creator. He is personal. He is life, light, illumination, salvation, glory, grace, and truth. If we come to him under those things, if we identify with him there, then the eternal economy of those ten character traits come out of him, and every promise that is in those character traits belongs to who? The one who believes. The one who believes. Every promise comes out of those names and are involved with the character traits. Every promise comes out of those names and are involved with the character traits. See, I'm not telling you how to live your best life now because you can think it, faith it, grace it. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that you can live your eternity right now. What do you mean you can live your eternity right now? You can live in the names of Jesus Christ and receive the things that I have not seen or ear hath heard, but has been prepared for those who love him and has been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. You can have those things because they come out of the names and the character traits of Jesus Christ. Our high priest, our Lord and our God. See, this is all about identifying correctly. If you desire the economy of heaven to work in you and to work for you, then you must identify correctly. You must understand the process. If you do not understand the process, you will be caught away with every wind of doctrine. You will be caught away with things that people tell you are going to make God move in your behalf, never understanding that God has already produced and provided. Now, we take Isaiah's prophecy, and I'm done. We take Isaiah's prophecy, and we put that prophecy over into the New Testament, and what are we going to find? We're going to find the New Testament parroting the prophecy of Isaiah. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for the Word of God today. I pray that you will minister to your people. I pray that you'll open our eyes so that we can see. God, we're not saying that it's not without faith. Actually, it takes faith. We're not saying that it's not without grace. Actually, it takes grace. We're not saying, God, that it's not without correct thought. It, it is with correct thought. But it is with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the Word of God that we 
have the ability to come into the eternal purpose of God and manifest Jesus Christ, our high priest, our Lord, and our God, and the ten characteristics that make him who he is, and apply them directly to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear son. Now, Father, I thank you for that. Resonate that in the heart of your people. Resonate that today in the heart of your people. Resonate that in the heart of your people. Now, as you bow your head and close your eyes, many of you are saying, Pastor, I don't understand that. I want to tell you something about understanding, and I want to speak to all of those of you that are listening to me. That's what the Holy Spirit is about to do in your heart. We have made the gospel message so simple and so ridiculously simple that we can't get anywhere with God because we're trying to worry about whether everybody can readily understand the verbiage in which we speak. The Holy Spirit is responsible for leading you and guiding you into all truth. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit right now. Open your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, Come in and show me from the Word of God what has been taught today. Make it real, oh my inner man. Make it real in my spirit. Show me what I need to hear. Show me what I need to understand. Give me the insight, the concepts, and the ideas so that I can live my eternal blessings of the economy of God right now. Ask the Holy Spirit to do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in and show you something you don't know. That's what he promised you he would do. Jesus said he will show you things that you don't know. Ask him. Now I want you to stand with me and raise your hands and say, Holy Spirit, I receive your teaching today. I receive it today. I receive what you're speaking into my spirit. I take it into me. I receive it. It belongs to me. It has been spoken in my hearing, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And the Word of God has been spoken to me. I receive today your Spirit. I receive your teaching. I receive wisdom, understanding, and counsel. I receive the opening of my eyes so that I can see what it is that the Spirit of God is trying to say to me. So that I can have the Word of God to give me my best now. Not the word of a man, but the word of God and what Jesus did to give me my best life now. Give it to me, Holy Spirit. I receive it. I take it. It belongs to me. There is nothing and no one that can give it to me but you. I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Say it with me. I receive it. I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ, my high priest my Lord and my God. Amen and amen. Well, let's speak to those of you that are listening today. The Word of God is rich. It's real. It's true. Get into the Word of God and let the Word of God transform you. It'll change you. It'll change your, your, your wrong teaching and unsound doctrine until you can come into the truth of how it is that God has planned for you to live. If you're lost today, I want you to know Jesus. Here is the simple thing. Simply asking him into your heart by saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Forgive me. What you did on the cross for me, I receive. I'll go to the tomb and bury my flesh, my wants, my desires, and my ambitions with you. I will go and be resurrected with you into the newness of life. 
and be changed. If you've, if you've said anything that resembles that, believing on Jesus Christ and accepting what He did for you at the cross, then today has been your day of salvation. You have traded ashes for beauty. I want you now to get into the house of God, get into the church of God, get into the Word of God. Come back and be with us on Facebook, YouTube, Lift Him Higher Radio, or Mike Springston FFC Podcast and hear the Word of Truth. And be blessed. Because the eternal economy of God and the workmanship of Jesus Christ is bringing you to a good work. May God bless you is my prayer. Thank you, Lord, for those that have been in the sanctuary today, for those that have listened by all of our media outreaches. Bless your people today. We give you praise. We give you honor and glory. Take care of them. Keep them safe in the hollow of your hand until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here.